Father, take, oh, take me as I am. Summon out what I shall be. Set your seal upon my heart and live in me. Amen. You know, almost counterintuitively, two of my favorite words are, follow me. Now, don't, don't misunderstand. I like doing the leading throughout my life. I've loved the role of team building, of bringing various talents together to do something more essential than any one of us could do on our own. And yet, is there anything more comforting than knowing that there is another whom you absolutely trust, who's actually pioneering the way out ahead of you forward, another who's willing to take the lead into the uncharted, saying, follow me, you can trust me, I got good night vision. <laughs> so two months ago, I received news that our own Benjamin Strickland had just been born. He was born in Sacred Heart Hospital and doing some texting with his parents to discern their real desire for my visit versus you know, their need for rest and privacy, etc. I got the green light to come and, um, and visit Benjamin on his birthday. You know, by the time I got there, it was after hours, the normal access doors were locked and I wasn't even quite sure where St. Louise A was even located in the hospital. It was super cold and windy that night as I tried to get the door open to no avail. And kind of out of nowhere, this man appears and he asks me, what are you trying to do? <laughs> and I, I told him, I said, I'm trying to get to see this newborn. And he asked me who I was looking for. And I said, well, his name is Benjamin, and he's the new baby of Dr. Angela and their husband, Gene. And almost like he had an intuition about that possibility, he happily replied, I delivered him. Follow me. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had a special key that got us into that door that wouldn't open for me. And so we, we dashed down the hallways and up the stairs and, and through several backway passages. And he finally pointed, there's the door. And just as mysteriously as he had showed up, poof, he was gone. <laughs> and all I had to do was knock and open the door and to fall into the sacred space of being one of the first people to celebrate such a tender moment with these parents. They were relieved and tired and grateful to receive this little person who had been so long in coming. All was well, beaming smiles, prayers and te tears, touches and wonder, and all of it was offered up to God for the true gift of new life and more life. Follow me. Such is the same God promise whispered across the millennia. When Jesus says, follow me, it isn't a command. Like that doctor, it's an offer, an invitation, a guide who's already scouted the backway passages, who actually knows where there's new life 
and more life to be found. And yet, even as we glimpse the grace and the good news that's in all that, I think we wonder at some point along our spiritual journey and say, you know, all that sounds good, but how exactly do we follow Jesus? It seems like perhaps the disciples way back then, they had a distinct advantage over us in that they could physically see him and hear him as they dropped their nets to follow. Even so, I would offer that our following in 2020 is both different and the same. Like the disciples of long ago, we too must hear with the ears of our spirit, listening, discerning, trusting that the individual and communal, communal call to follow me is coming from Jesus. To really follow Jesus, to actively have this life journey with the spirit of the holy other, I think it's, it's got to be like any relationship. We've got to keep those channels of communication open to sense the divine lead and to follow his dance moves. We're going to have to open an interior space so that that voice might resonate in us. We're going to have to pray. And of course, this process is different for each of us and, and changes in the, the various seasons of our lives. But one thing we all share in common is that we worship together. This simple act of gathering weekly as a community of believers enables us to sense God's call, whether it's in the scriptures or the prayers or the music or the spirit of Christ that flows between us. And over time and repetition, the sacrament of receiving Christ's body and blood changes us, a change that ultimately influences how we make other choices in the rest of the week. And yet, to actively follow Jesus' lead, I think that we need that daily connection. You know, and the older I get, I'm starting to reject that macho concept of go big or go home. You know, like we've got to have it all together before we even bother starting. Rather, I'm seeing how incremental, perhaps sustainable changes have impacted the trajectory of my life. Ultimately, small practices made in the direction of a larger goal over time make the lasting difference. And sometimes I think that we, we worry. We say, like, well, if my prayer life isn't particularly world-class, if it isn't emotional and rigorous and long, if we're not journaling and reading scripture and practicing Lexio Divina, we're just not getting it right. When actually, it's any consistent communing practice where we regularly show up that ensures that our hearts can get in sync with Jesus's call. Recently, I've been listening to this audio book. It's called Tiny Habits. The Small Changes That Change Everything, and it's by Dr. B.J. Fogg. And I'm excited because I think his simple methodology offers us a valuable practical tool for our prayer life. His research shows that behavior is dependent on two things, motivation and ability. And with tiny behavioral changes that can become habits, we can move towards that goal that we want, like communing with God. In other words, if we 
are not praying in the morning because we don't think we have enough time, baby steps can be made in order to make that behavioral change possible. For example, what if I use the time that the coffee is brewing to read today's forward day-by-day -day reflection? And then as the coffee's ready and I pour it into my cup, I think about what I read and I say, and I make this sort of intention to God for my day, like, like the one today talks about the second reading. Like, Lord, today I want to be like St. Paul and, and see what unites us more than what divides us. Or immediately after the coffee is brewed, what if we just sat down with our cup of coffee and for two minutes we're just quiet with God? We just sort of soaked in his presence and his companionship. No words required. This practice, over time, will no doubt feed us. And since it's already linked to a habit that we already have to make the coffee, it might become something that we really enjoy, and the time could even be lengthened. The possibilities of, of starting these tiny habits that are anchored to other habits that we have are endless if we were just a little creative. I especially loved his suggestion of a Maui habit. You know, I, I've spent some time in Hawaii. And it's a way of starting the day with a positive energy. And his tiny habit is this. Each morning, as you wake and you swing your legs off and you put your feet on the floor, you say, what is it, seven words and celebrate? It's going to be a great day. It's sort of, you know, fist pump or, or do something inside sparkle. You know, or as followers of Jesus, we could adapt it to, this is the day that the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad. And so, yes, absolutely. Hear Jesus' words to follow me as a love call from the lover of our soul. Imagine that the creator of everything is not only willing to accompany us, but willing to take point on that journey to prepare the way ahead of us. I'm reminded of the, the lyrics of the hymn that we just sang, Will You Come and Follow Me? About the, the way of Jesus, the way of love is also the way of the cross. It's not necessarily gonna be easy or safe, but this, this verse, even the first verse, it speaks to the intimacy and the transformational path that we've been summoned to walk on. As Jesus asks us, will you come and follow me if I but call your name? Will you go where you don't know and never be the same? This hymn, which is also called The Summons, echoes this astounding relational invitation that we also hear in the psalm today, Psalm 27, one of my favorite, that offers this intimate call and response image. Verse 11 says, you speak in my heart and say, seek my face. Your face, Lord, will I seek. Follow me. Seek my face. Both express the same astonishing idea of God's accompaniment and of his desired relationship with us. His offer is on the table. So with relief, I lean in. I want to stay close and I want to draft off the guide who knows all the twists and turns that lay ahead way better than I do. And with that hope that's planted in me, I want to be intentional about the gift of, of this day, how, how it unfolds.
how being maybe open-hearted enough to follow my beloved wherever he bids me go. I want to pause long enough and often enough to remind myself of his invitation to stay close, to hear his whispered love language of follow me. So since I already have a morning prayer routine, I've decided I want to add a tiny habit of a breath prayer to launch my day, and I'm going to link it to brushing my teeth. And again, say it throughout the day as I need it, remembering that the Lord has my hand, saying, seek my face, follow me. Seek my face, follow me. Today's gospel is really good news, reminding us that in Christ, the kingdom of God has literally moved into our neighborhood. The creator God, always expansive, greater than the cosmos, yet choosing to be particularly near, abiding in us, companioning with us. And so I close with Rainier Maria Rilke's helpful yet fierce image of the leading Christ. He says this, let everything happen to you, beauty and terror. Just keep on going. No feeling is final. Don't let yourself lose me. Nearby is the country they call life. Give me your hand. That's right. The adventure of faith is on. And I say, let's follow that guide that loves us, that promises to lead us, now and always.